So this morning, we're going to continue on a journey that we started at the beginning of the year to talk about what does it mean to be the church by the book. And even as I think about that title, I, I'm just, it just behooves me to, to say this to you, beloved. I don't know if there's any way to be any, a church other than the church by the book. If, if you're not the church by the book, guess what? You're just not the church. You're, you're not the church. And, and God has given to us this great and, and precious gift. He, he's given to us his word. So there would not be questions in our minds about uh, how do you be the church by the book? Uh, the book is there so that we can can hear from the truth of God himself. Uh, when Pastor Sam opened this series back in uh, the first Sunday of January, and, and he spoke from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, uh, and he revealed uh, to Jesus as Jesus talked with his disciples around, who do men say that I am? And Peter, as we've come accustomed to Brother Peter, speaking out, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, son of, of Simon Barjona, no one's revealed this to you, but God himself. And hence, we have clear instructions from the mouth of Christ. We ought to build his church based on the truth of Scripture. We ought to be the church by the book. And a key aspect of the messages that Sam has presented to us is this. To be the church by the book requires following the truth that God has revealed in the Bible on what it means to be his truth. And so last Sunday, Pastor talked about uh, a church led by a plurality of elders, men that have been gifted and called to lead and provide direction for the church and the building of the kingdom of God. And so Sam started on a road trip. He took us through a, a series of passages to, to lay the foundation for church leadership and to be the church by the book, then this is how we ought to be led. Well, we're going to pick up on, on that road trip this morning. And so get your, your Bibles ready Get your devices handy, and, and we're going to walk through several passages as we talk about the issue of who is uh, the greatest. When, when it comes to being the church by the book, we, we need to get some alignment here about this whole topic of who is the greatest. And, and the passage that Terry Smith read for us this morning uh, from the book of Luke, uh, church, uh, chapter 22, really helps us to start to zero in on that question around service. And I want to use as our topic for the morning, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? And as we look again at that passage, Luke 22, 24 through 27, uh, let me just pick up again and reread verses 26 and 27, because I think it answers what should be an obvious answer for this question of who is the greatest. Uh, Jesus says, 
but not so with you, rather, in verse 26. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. And verse 27, for who is the greater? One who reclines at tables or who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Beloved, this morning, when we talk about the topic of who is the greatest, I think the central theme that Christ is going to lay before us and the truth that is supported by the Bible is the greatest one who serves, the one who is greatest among you is the one who serves. Now, our English translation of the Greek text really does not give us a very good handle on the depth of that word that is rendered service inside of our Bibles. Oh, but it, it has a great depth of meaning, and there's no doubt that Christ chose the language he did. The Holy Spirit uh, inspired the writers of, of Scripture to record this thing that we call service. Well, what is service? What is the greatest among you? Uh, the Greek, the underlying Greek word for, for service is, is a word that uh, gets translated throughout the New Testament as service and serving. It gets translated as waiting, as in waiting on tables. It gets translated as minister, as in ministering. It is the Greek word diakonos, diakonos. Now, if, if you listen closely, and, and I don't butcher it too bad with my Louisiana accent, diakonos has a word that's contained in it that I think is very familiar to many of us here. It's the word deacon, diakonos. Can you hear deacon inside of that? And, and look, I, I don't know what you bring to the table this morning, uh, concerning your thoughts on the word deacon. Uh, I don't know if, if your tradition and your experiences or even what you've been taught uh, is, is clearly aligned to what the Bible pours into this word called deacon. But I think in order for us to really get aligned on what the answer is around who is the greatest, we've, we've got to have some commonality around this thing called service. What does it mean to diakonos? And so, so that's why I want to spend some time talking about that uh, this morning. In fact, uh, I want you to know that when they heard uh, this word spoken, it was very clear to them what was being said. Uh, so, for instance, when, when they would hear verse 27 of Luke 22, uh, it would sound like for who is the greater, one who reclines at tables or one who diakonos, one who deacons? Uh, is it not he who serves at reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who diakonos, the one who serves? Who's the greatest deacon among you? Well, it's the one who serves. And in order to be the church by the book, we've got to understand what it means uh, to deacon. Uh, to deacon is not to rule. Uh, to deacon is to serve. 
And as we think about this service, there's, there's three aspects that I want to leave with you uh, this morning. The first is that to serve is a general requirement. Uh, the second will be that to serve is a specific gifting. Uh, the third is that to serve is a special calling. A general requirement, a specific gifting, and a special calling. So in the aspect of a general requirement, I need each and every one of you, each and every one of you that have been washed by the blood to recognize that the Bible puts forth the premise that if you are a member of the kingdom of God, if you are a member of the body of Christ, you have been called to serve. Now, who is the greatest among you? It's you that have been called to serve. Every believer in this room right now has the capacity to become the greatest among you. Why? Because you have been called to serve. You know, it's interesting. If you, if you go back to Luke 12, that's a very interesting setting. If you go back to the earlier portion of that chapter, the setting is the upper room. Christ is preparing for his crucifixion. He's gathered together his disciples, and they are around a common table. You know, when you're around that common table, uh, it didn't matter if there were no elders there, and there were no church secretaries there, and, and, and there were no committee members there, and there were no one there that, that served in the office of deacon. But they were all gathered together at a common place. And if you look within the context of the Lord establishing his table, he presents to us one of the greatest examples of servitude that has ever been presented in Scripture. For when Christ had gathered them together, you know what he did. He set them down and, and, and he, he lowered himself to the form of a servant. And he washed their feet. He, servitude is built on a foundation of humility. And there's none that represents that better than our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, the Bible gives us a clear indication that Christ recognized that he came to serve. If you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 15, uh, verse number 8. Romans 15 Verse 8. Uh, I'm going to read it uh, from the ESV, and, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread it again. Uh, he says in verse number 8, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarch. Now I'm going to reread that again. You can know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the, the Greek word back in there. It, it says, for I tell you that Christ became diakonos to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Uh, Christ became deacon to set forth a model for us 
of what it means to think about this office of service. And that's because in the most general sense, to be a member of the body of Christ is to deacon. And to deacon is to be a member of the body of Christ. To be a member of the body of Christ is to serve. And to serve is to be more and more like Christ. We, we need to humble ourselves and recognize that as we perform our service, it's, it's to be done in a, in a way of a humble offering back to the Lord. It, it's not to try to set ourselves apart so that others can come and pat us on the back and go, oh, look at that guy. He just, he does all of that for the Lord. That, that's missing the point. But, but you know, it's, it brings up a, an interesting point for us to contemplate. Uh, because, you know, if, if we're not all just careful enough, we're all prone to, uh, to fall to something I call just a little bit of privilege. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Just a little bit of privilege. Uh, what I mean is, you know, every now and then, we, we like for somebody to just give us a little pat on the back. Uh, we like to think that even though we're among equals, uh, my house is just a little bit bigger than your house. Uh, maybe I make just a little bit more money uh, than you do. Uh, let me get into trouble here. Maybe I need to say we, we think that my kids are just a little bit smarter than your kids. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about just a little bit of privilege. We all are prone to just want just a little bit of privilege. But you know what's wrong with just a little bit of privilege? A little bit of privilege doesn't stay a little bit long. Before we know it, that little bit of privilege grows into this great big monster that threatens to take over our lives. It's hard to keep a little bit a privilege under control. Uh, that's why you need to have your service built on a foundation of humility. Because every one of you, born of the blood of Christ, have been called to deacon, to serve. Who's the greatest among you? It's the one that serves. And everyone has a requirement to serve. Now, that brings me to my second point. As every believer has a requirement on their heart to serve, I know sometimes we step back and go, well, how do I serve? What can I do? What is it that the Lord expects of me? And I don't know the answer to all of those questions, but here's something I do know that there is a specific gifting, that's, verse, that's point number two of this message, uh, that I want to talk with you about just a little bit this morning. And, and to do so, I, I need you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're, we're going to talk just a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if anybody knows me, uh, they know I like chapter 12. They know I like talking about how the Spirit 
works among us. If I stand up here long enough, I may just say Holy Ghost, but I know you can work with me on that. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is often the neglected member of the Trinity, but we don't want to do that here at West Park. Because the Holy Spirit is critical to understanding how the Lord has gifted each and every one of us in a very special way to serve. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, each and every one of you, no exceptions, nobody gets a pass from this, every believer and the Lord Jesus Christ has a special gifting from the Holy Spirit. Every believer. And it's our charge here at West Park to, to be with you, to be so united with you uh, that we help you to understand what that gifting is and then how to, work, how to live that out in the body of Christ. That, that's why chapter 12 is so important. Uh, look with me at verse number 4 of chapter 12. Uh, Paul writes, Now there were a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them. What's the next word? All. And everyone. You You don't get a pass from this one. As a believer, you have been gifted for service. And who is the greatest among you? It's the one who serves. Now, let me just put in a plug right now for a special Bible study that's being given on Wednesday nights here at a church led by Pastor Sam and Fred Blevins. And they're talking about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you've got questions in your mind about how the Holy Spirit works, you ought to be in that class. Uh, They've already gone through the first two lessons, but come on, put it on your schedule and come to that class to hear about the Holy Spirit and how he works in your life. It's very important because when we talk about this aspect of what does it mean to deacon, what does it mean to serve? Oh, I tell you what, there's so much power in the work of the Holy Spirit. In essence, the Holy Spirit is saying that he wants every believer to serve, and in order to do so, he's going to give you just a little something extra. He's going to empower you to deacon. Uh, Look at what Paul says in verse 27. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Uh, We are individually members of the body. Uh, And and Christ has put each of the members exactly where he wants them to serve. Who is the greatest among you? He who serves. How do you serve? You serve under the power of the unique gifting the Holy Spirit has given to you. And that fact, that's what verse 28 says. And he has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. 
I, I love that in that list there, uh, the one that he points out as helping. Uh, that's almost a double dose of what it means to serve. Oh, I, I love it when the Lord identifies for us people in our congregation who have that double dosing of service. Uh, because if there's time in the life of the body of Christ that we need some people who have that extra calling of helping to stand forth in our time of need. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a family in our church that went through an emergency. and we, we put out the call and we were just blessed that so many of the West Park family stepped in and said, I can help. Uh, they've got that special gifting of help. I thank God for them. But beloved, hear me very clearly again as I move on from this point. As a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, each and every one of you has been gifted for service. Who is the greatest among you? The one who serves. Now, my last point that I, I want to leave with you this morning before we move on to the Lord's Supper is not only is it a general requirement that every believer serves, and not only is it a fact that the Holy Spirit works in each of our lives to empower us for service, but I also believe the Scripture said it establishes an office that we officially call the office of deacon. I do believe that that is indeed uh, the biblical direction that a church by the book must have. So we do have to wrestle with what is this office of deacon and what is it called to do? Well, thanks be to God. He doesn't leave us to our own devices to answer that question. But he clearly in Scripture provides the foundation uh, that we can look to to understand when a person is called to the office of deacon, what does that mean? And there's two things I want to leave with you in that regards. Uh, the first one is, go back to the book of Acts. Uh, in chapter 1, or chapter 6 of Acts, we're going to pick up with verses 1 through 7. Uh, so when we start talking about this whole concept of how should the church be organized to carry out the function of building the kingdom of God. Now, as we do so, I, I, I want to bring this to your attention. Um, uh, last week during our family gathering, you know, let me just put a plug in for the family gathering, beloved. Uh, once a month, we gather together on Sunday evenings, and we talk about the work of the ministry of Christ. I encourage you. I exhort you. I plead with you. Be present at those meetings. Those are critical meetings where we talk about our church and, and the direction that we're headed. Uh, in fact, some of the, what I'm going to cover here uh, in just a few minutes would, I think, better be held at our family gathering. But I need you to be there, and, I, and so we exhort you. But, but last week, Pastor Joe uh, read a statement. Uh, Pastor Joe is, is leading uh, the effort to, uh, to look at our church constitution and to make sure that it reflects the truth in Scripture to be the church by the book. And so last week, he introduced to us a very, very powerful statement. It's a statement that you need to think about. 
It's a statement that is going to be very important as we think about church by the book. Here's this statement. I'm going to read, to it, read it to you again. Uh, Pastor Joe said that West Park Baptist Church is to be recognized as a Jesus-ruled, an elder-led, a deacon-supported, and a congregationally accountable church in accordance with the principles laid down in the New Testament. Jesus ruled, elder-led, deacon-supported, congregationally accountable. That truly helps to set and frame how we want the various aspects of our church to function as a body in accordance to the truth revealed to us in Scripture. And we see that. And so this morning, I especially want to take a look at that concept of deacon supported. Uh, Again, last week, uh, Pastor Sam led out the elder side where there's a plurality. There's a group of men that have been called together, not one man, but a group to lead our church. We're going to talk about uh, plurality among our deacons here in just a second. But look again at Acts 6, 1 through 7. It says, now in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint. You mean to tell me they were complaining back then too? Some things just never change, right, beloved? Uh, A complaint by the Hellenists arose among the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, and the the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. You know, that's interesting. That's probably the first recording of a family gathering, all right? (laughs) And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up the preaching of word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this duty. Now, the balance of those verses down to uh, verse number seven really kind of sets the stage for what we have seen that has evolved into the ministry or the office of deacon. But here's the point I want you to see from this passage. We get hung up too much, I think, sometimes on what deacons do. And I think the primary emphasis in this passage And in the passage we're getting ready to look at, which is in 1 Timothy, I think the primary emphasis that we have here is not as much on what deacon does as who deacon is. Who is a deacon? And and the Bible is going to set for us that fundamentally a deacon is to model what it means to be the greatest. And in order to be the greatest, you got to serve. The deacons ought to be the greatest models in our congregation of people who understand what it means to serve and not get lost in this little bit of privilege. To deacon is to serve. Look again at Acts chapter 6, uh, verse number 3. 
Well, listen, it matters about who a deacon is. It says, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of what? Good repute. Of what? Full of the Spirit. Of what? Of wisdom. And we will appoint them to this duty. Character matters more than anything else when it comes to the office of deacon. When we look, and if you look at the pattern that's established here, uh, the, the, the leaders of the church, the elders got together and said, church, look among yourselves and pick out men who model service well and let us know who those are. We do that here at West Park. Every year, beginning the, I think it's the last Sunday in August, we begin the process of requesting from our congregation nominations for the office of deacon. Why? We're looking for men who model what it means to be the greatest. Those who serve. Because we need our deacons to model for everyone else what it means to serve. Uh, not what it means to rule over the elders or tell the church what it has to do, but to be a deacon support to the ministry of West Park Baptist Church. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, which I think is the definitive passage of Scripture that talks about the quality of what a deacon should be. And, and as you think about uh, uh, those nominations, uh, before you put a name on that sheet of paper, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and see if you can see this modeled in the life that that person that you're getting ready to nominate represents. Because that person is going to be a model for you of what it means to be part of a deacon-supported ministry. 1 Timothy 3 Starting at verse 8, deacons likewise. Now, the word likewise is important because likewise uh, references back to 1 Timothy 3.1 where Paul establishes the office of elder. And so he, now he's saying, likewise, like we have established the office of elder, the office of deacon should be, okay, made up of these types of individuals. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also first be tested, then let them diaconize as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, managing his children and their households well. And then verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Good repute, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. It matters who they are because it is the deacons. 
I think as much as any uh, individual within the church who should model who is the greatest among you. It's he that serves. We are blessed here at West Park to have a great deacon's ministry. Uh, the Lord has called from among you 30 men that serve in this capacity. What a wonderful shot. Of these men who are faithful to model for West Park what it means to be the greatest to serve. And within the, the ministry of these men, uh, they are very much service-focused. They, they've looked at uh, what the elders have requested of them to do in order to support this ministry that we call West Park. And they said, okay, how can we best be about the business of doing that? And so do, to do so, they formed the deacon leadership team. Uh, these men represent a plurality of leadership even among our deacons, uh, to model that we don't expect one man to dominate our deacons' team. But these men collectively come together, and they meet the first quarter of every month to talk about our deacons' ministry and what are we doing to support uh, our church. I'll introduce each one of these deacons' leaders as I talk a little bit about their team. The first team I want to talk about is the benevolence team. Uh, this group of men uh, had the, the, the task of looking out and seeing what uh, extraordinary financial needs exist among our membership and how can West Park best serve to meet and address those needs. Every Lord's Supper, uh, we ask that you would consider making a special donation, uh, contribution to our benevolence fund. And the funds that are collected in that offering are administered by this group of men to make sure that if there are people in need in our church, uh, that their needs would be attended to. The leader of this group is Carl Snyder. Uh, the second group that I want to introduce is the Deacon's Mercy Team. This team uh, has charge and responsibility for a very important aspect of our ministry to those who are most vulnerable among us. Those who find themselves in hospitals and nursing homes and, and skilled care facilities. For those who, for whatever reason, can't even make it out of their homes. This group is actively, daily, reaching out to them with the love of Christ so that we can understand what those needs are. And then how can we minister to those needs? Uh, this, this team just does a yeoman's work of making sure that we are in touch with those who have need in our congregation. Gary Nelson uh, leads this group of deacons for us. In addition to the deacons' mercy team, we also have a ladies' mercy team. Oh, I tell you what, I would not think of wanting to do ministry without this group of ladies. Uh, for they have stood in the gap to meet needs that otherwise may not be met appropriately. But they've come together in just a very short time to make a significant impact in how we minister here at West Park. Because who's the greatest of you? Those who serve. 
Uh, the leader of this team is Carrie Rogerson. Carrie is married to Paul Rogerson, who also serves as a deacon on our deacon team. The next team I, I want to present to you is our deacon support team. A fairly new team, and the, the work of this team is continuing to evolve as we see unique ways to help them, to have them help us support our overall ministry here at West Park. One of the things uh, that this team has, has taken over lately is to go out to those members who are not able to leave their home. Uh, this team has taken on the responsibility of administering the Lord's Supper to them. What a blessing that has been uh, to, to not deprive anyone of the uh, opportunity to join in this celebration. And so that team has taken on the responsibility to do that. And it's just been a blessing to us to see how it's impacted the lives of our members. Uh, this team is led by Deacon Mark Faust. Uh, the last team to introduce is the Deacon Finance team. Uh, this team has, again, a great job of coming together on a regular basis, working with our lead pastor and our church administrator to oversee the, the finances of our church. Uh, they put together the annual budget that the church uh, approves. And then on a monthly basis, they put together a report of how the church is doing financially. This team also serves officially as our church trustees, which is required legally. But again, this team is just so very important in making sure that West Park remains a church by the book and that our deacons model for us what it means to serve. Jeff Scott uh, leads this team for us. Also sitting on our deacon leadership team is Scott Fireball, who's our ch official church secretary. And, and Scott is just meticulous in making sure that we, we cross all our T's and dot our I's. We just thank God for Scott and his serving on the team. Supporting the team as liaisons, uh, we have James Lynch, who's our pastor of ministerial care. And, and again, James is just making sure that those that are most vulnerable among us are receiving care. I also serve as a liaison uh, to that team as the pastor of community care. Uh, our deacons meet every month. Uh, they're usually the third uh, Saturday of each month, they meet at 7 a.m. I've tried to talk them into 4, but they won't listen to me. <laughs> they meet at 7 a.m. So it's just a glorious time of getting those men together and, and, and just seeing what Lord, the Lord is doing through our deacons' ministry here at West Park. These men are of impeccable character. Impeccable character. Because character matters. And they have been called because they model what it means to be the greatest. They serve.